Welcome to the Zero to Five Million Dollar Podcast. I'm Sean Finder and I'm with my co-host, Ollie Whitfield. This show is brought to you by AutoClose, a vanilla soft company. Ollie, why don't you introduce to these guests and uh, what we're going to be talking about today? I've got a little story for everybody just before we get into it. So I can remember many, many years ago now, and I'm dating myself kind of badly, but it was my second day of work ever. I was 17 and I walked into this tiny office in a townhouse, which was a office conversion. And my, my first ever boss said to me, Ollie, what do you know about content? And I said, what is content, Johnny? And, uh, and he explained that to me. And the very first thing that I did after he explained that was I logged into a YouTube channel where one of the clients of that company at the time was editing some videos. And guess who was the very first ed- uh, interview that I edited? It's today's guest. And not only did I learn what content meant that day, I learned a whole bunch about being a creative director and what that side of the world looks like. I had no idea. So uh, I can't think of a better reason to have Doug Custer on the podcast. Welcome along, my friend. Cool. Thanks. I'm glad it was helpful back then, assuming it was helpful. It didn't scare you away from the career. You did not. You did not. So um, let's dig into the early days of yours. It's um, I feel like the name Ogilvy is kind of a fabled, um, mystical thing to bring up. But you, you've been there, you've worked there. And amongst other places, you describe yourself as a suit on LinkedIn, which I think is kind of funny. So um, why don't you take us back to the early days of your career and then how you maybe got in there when you left and why you left, if you don't mind. Sure. So yeah, I was a suit. My first job in, in marketing and advertising was Madison Avenue in the 80s in a suit. I was an account assistant account executive going through their training program. And I got it because I knew from a pretty young age that marketing interested me. Like in junior high, I did an ad on the not an ad, a paper on the use of water in cigarette, menthol cigarette ads. They had print ads back then for cigarettes. And I used like 20 examples and I still, I'm burning with bitterness about the, the feedback was like too many examples. Like that was the whole point was there's a lot of them. Anyway, um, I knew I was into advertising. I knew I was into this. So I, and Ogilvy was the place to be because the books and everything. So I was doing informational interviews. I was just trying to get people to talk to me coming out of college, knew nothing about anything and got really lucky to get the offer at, at Ogilvy. They got a huge account. So they were sucking people off the street and I was walking past and there it was. And so, yeah, it was actually a really great company and um, great culture. I was only there like three and a half, four, four, four years, four and a half. Wasn't there that long, but made a big impression on me. I think a lot of velocity is still the shadow of David Ogilvy and the stuff he believed in. Got it. So, um, you know, how did you guys start? Like, how did the company start? Um, it was basically, you know, was it the experience or how did you guys get going? And, and, and maybe even talk about how you guys started to get your first clients as well. Okay. So I, my partner is called Stan Woods and he and I had a mutual, I was being a freelance copywriter and I've been in that for about maybe 10 years and we had a mutual client. He was running a PR company and they'd grown and sold to Omnicom. So he was kind of in his earn out stage when we started getting to know each other. Yeah. And he was recruiting me to start a consultancy for early stage tech companies. This was early in the internet boom days um, uh, because we had done some work like that, helping position early stage tech companies. And so it was like an Omnicom situation. And in the end, I just looked and said, you know, we had a pint at the pub down the road here and it said, look, I just don't think I'd have as much fun as I'm having now and talked him through it and why. 
And she's like, he's right, you know? And so he, when hers, his earn out was done, he jumped out and joined me as a kind of a lifestyle business. So we worked from home. Our yep. kids were little, we watched them grow up, you know, had most meals, most days with our kids. And it was all early stage tech companies. And what we did is we went to one VC who he happened to know and said, look, we help early stage tech companies. If you've got any of those who need some help, they bit our hand off at the time. It's like, nobody was good at the marketing part. They were just yeah. all kind of science experiments. And each project we did had other VCs on the board and they said, well, who did that? And so we got passed around VC to VC to help these early stage, mostly startup stage pre-revenue companies. And you know, all of the, the key tech VCs at the time, Apex and Amadeus and 3i and Summit and Index, Benchmark were, were passing us around to go do these kind of makeovers for, um, for their, the clients, the, the, the companies that needed the help. There was the no hopers who kind of didn't need any help because they were, they were about to die. There were the stars who didn't need help. And there was this middle group of there's something great here and we don't know what it is or it's not packaged right. Or, and we'd go in there and do a short intensive gig and then move on, you know, and it was a real education in tech marketing. We probably did 70 gigs like that. And it was still a lifestyle business. We were taking summers light. We took one year, we took the Olympics off just to watch. Oh, there them. you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was weird or the world cup. And um, so it was all referral at the beginning. And when a VC, the person who just gave you 8 million says, can you meet with these guys? Most of the CEOs said yes. And most turned out to be happy to, to do this, this kind of work. And then the bubble burst, the, the challenges started to repeat, you know, it's like, we're doing the same kinds of things. We, a lot of our clients were saying, couldn't you just help us now market, like bring this to market now? And we never wanted to. And then, you know, kids are growing up and all of it combined for us to say, why don't we just try this? Let's see. We hated the word agency. We didn't want to use it. And finally we got over ourselves and said, yeah, we're a B2B agency. And content was just starting to happen. And we realized, well, that's where we are. We've been talking about that without calling it that forever. So we jumped on that as this is what we're going to be. And then it, it really did start to take off. Okay. So what was the first, pardon the French, oh shit moment? When was the biggest client fail or um, we've got the Olympics off and, and that client engagement is just about to end and we've, we've forgotten to get the next one? When was that first? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we had a few oh shit moments early on when you're really, really intensively on a project, you're not at all working the contacts and networking at all. And so there's always a pause after. And in some of those pauses, they were oh shit moments of, will this, is this trough really means there's never going to be any more work. And you panic in the first few of those. And then it turns out, no, you know, it, that, that those are welcome breaks and you should enjoy them. You know, as far as mistakes, we've we made a lot of early ones about mismatches. Like here's a client we probably can't help, but we're going to take them on because we need to work or we just think we can, or we're going to convince ourselves that we're going to overlook the things that we call them red flags that say they're, we're unlikely to help them. And we're going to overlook that and we're going to get in there and do our best. And we're going to, and those are some oh shit moments when you really start to expose the fundamental misalignment and, or the dysfunction there. And you realize, you know what, we're not going to be able to help here. And we should have, trusted our gut and spotted that and avoided those. So those were, the, we had a, a lot of, and still have, to be honest, some lessons you just never really learn, but 
um, we're, we're better at it, but, but we had a lot of those oh shit moments early, which were, mm, we thought we could, we thought we could slam dunk this. And we, actually we knew in our heart, we probably couldn't. And we took yeah. it any. So, so we're talking about, you know, you went into a lot of companies, um, and, and helped them out. You know, we were just touched upon mistakes when you were going into a lot of these companies, what was the biggest mistake you found when you were going company to company? Was there any mistake that you found that a lot of the companies were doing the same where they're all doing it wrong or that they all need to improve on anything specific that you can go into that you found? Well, there were a couple, one was not enough engagement with clients. So coming up with this kind of tech that could work and not having enough market engagement early enough to shape that offer so that when they got it to market, there wasn't a great market fit. That was pretty common back then because everything business plan got funded. You know, If it said internet on it, it got money. And so you found at that point, a lot of science experiment type businesses that never really validated with the market. So that was more common then than it is now. You still do see it in early stages, yeah. but a, a more, maybe less common, but a damaging one was a, a startup that got a big first early client and it distorted their view of the world because that was a fairly rare thing. Someone who really got this needed it and then helped shape the product because to their own needs. And then they realized, you know, their assumption was there are a lot more like these out there and it was an assumption and it wasn't yeah. true. They were ahead of the market, whatever reason. Um, so we found a fair amount of those where it's like, guys, you're being, trained that something's true that isn't true and you're building your business on it and that's that's scary that's um that's a sign i've seen a couple of times where it's we've got this huge client and yeah they're very demanding but they pay the bills we can double down in this market and that's like i think that's good logic but that if it's not quite right that's where a company can start to die and you, you said a couple of times maybe you worked with some companies you probably shouldn't have were there a couple of other things like that that stood out in those examples? A lot of times it really came down less to product market fit. There were definitely times when it's like, look, this is a dog of a product. It's not well-conceived. It will fail. And, you know, we can go in. Marketing's not the problem here. We yeah. can market it wonderfully. It's not going to, and that those we need to avoid because for us to do good marketing, you have to believe in it and go for it. And so there's that. And mostly the red flags that say that we're not going to be successful are more like dysfunctional uh, dynamics in the company. Like, let's say this marketer has no power in the company at all. Nobody, marketing doesn't have power in the company. So we can't succeed here. The stakeholders don't believe in it. Their idea of what it is is completely different than, than ours. And so it's when we say, you know, the red flags and the mismatches, they tend to be more on almost like that level of... Um, fundamentally is what we feel is good marketing. Do they feel the same thing? You know, and if that's true, we can do great things together. If not, man, it's just like pulling teeth. It's just not, it's not a good thing. So well, I'd love to hear your opinion, Doug, on where you think marketing, you know, kind of was like, what was the strong stream marketing, I guess, you know, in the 2000s or 2010 to where marketing is today? Cause I mean, you know, just like sales and Salesforce building the first CRM and then everyone started building SaaS, et cetera. Um, where have you seen marketing evolve from, you know, back then to today? Um, and what's the biggest change that you find? Okay. So, I mean, the big wave we rode at Velocity was the content marketing wave and it was huge and it changed marketing fundamentally. And, you know, people thought it, would, it was kind of a fad that would pass and that's yeah. not what happened. It got dissolved into marketing. It became marketing. Like that is how it's done, certainly in B2B now. 
it's, it's, it's not a fad to pass. It's just that now it's mainstream and it's, you know, it doesn't confer advantage like it did in the early days. Like if you did content marketing early, you were going to win. <laughs> and now it's like, no, you got to do it. You got to do it better than everyone else. Um, and then kind of the, the performance marketing boom is, is still underway. And that a lot of attention went to demand gen and the, the machinery of building the operations of demand gen. That became the flavor of the, of the moment, you know, as it needed to be. And marketing yeah. automation started all that out with Marketo and Eloqua. And, and I think a lot of people forgot about brand on the way, like, you know, and I think they're right now, it's not like one big thing like content marketing was or performance. It's more like a lot of disciplines coming together well and integrating better. And then brand is coming back. I think in B2B, people are recognizing not that it's this snowflakey thing over here and here's the hardworking money thing over there. It's not that at all. It's like a great brand makes more money. And 100%. it is the best thing you could do to start your demand gen is to have a strong brand that you bring to the table. So I think people are recognizing that, that the plumbing alone isn't going to do it. Um, and content, vanilla content isn't going to do it either. Um, but a strong program with a strong brand is kind of unbeatable. Yep. I've been struggling with something, Doug. I think you might, um, you might have a better perspective on it than I do. So sometimes I look around and I'm trying to find sort of in air quotes, good work. And that could be like people idolize the um, Super Bowl commercials, uh, the commercials. They say, oh, wow, you know, this company in our space, Gong, just did one. And it's, it's the first time a company of that size has done it. Wow kudos to them that's amazing and then you get someone else in a similar size company does a great webinar there's there's awards for good webinars or there's the we wrote the book type of thing in terms of benchmarking not necessarily learning but just looking around and seeing what's good what people are doing how are you finding those examples of good work so that you can sort of take inspiration from it and know you know identify those trends as they come out yeah it's a good one because there's no one reliable place i mean i since our clients take us into lots of markets, we get to see around quite a lot. And there's always some players in a market who are doing it way better than everyone else. And the definition of what great is can change a lot by context. I used to always be looking for the home run, wonderful piece of creative that just changed the world. Like, you know, the epic split for Volvo trucks, you know, you know, it's just such, such a great breakthrough piece of work that that's what was attracting me most. And over time, I've been more attracted to some kind of really great execution and strategy with obviously super strong creative and content to go with it, but people who are like focused and executing and relentless on that, you know, that's pretty impressive stuff too. And in every market, you kind of look around who's winning. They tend to be having the most fun. You know, they're enjoying themselves the most. They, they give that vibe off, you know, we call it mojo. There's, there's this mojo in the winners of the market. And, and so it's, you know, you look in a market and see who's having the most fun here. And generally you're going to see some of the best marketed companies. So, but before we, um, we uh, wrap up, Doug, I do have a, a last kind of question for you and I'm sure you have a good one. Um, any mentors that have helped you along the way how do you, you know, and also how do you currently self-educate yourself? Do you, you know, read books? Do you listen to podcasts to keep up with all the different marketing trends? 
Yeah, on the mentor front, I've always, I'm a bit of a like introvert and a, I'm not very mentorable. I do tend to look and follow and have people that I learn a lot from by what they're doing, but they wouldn't even know they're my, they're my mentors. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of studying them. And, you know, there are people, quite a, a few out there. And as far as learning new stuff, I read a lot. I'm a, definitely a reader. I do like podcasts a lot too. And so, you know, I'll do that, but you know, I'm an internet trawler. I, I'm kind of a book guy. I really do yeah. like to go to books and, um, you know, it, there's not always a good book for the thing you want to learn, but, but there's a lot of great ones out there. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, um, where can people find you if they have any questions for you, Doug, about marketing or your experience, et cetera? Okay. So velocities at velocitypartners.com. And then I'm on um, Twitter as Doug Kessler at Doug Kessler. Those are good places. I'm on LinkedIn as well. And so, you know, people are absolutely welcome to approach. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Doug, uh, for joining us today. This has been an absolute blast and thank you for all the listeners. Um, if you enjoyed the show today, don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you're listening from and subscribe so you don't miss the next show. See you soon. And once again, thank you so much, Doug, for joining us today. Thank you.